There's gonna be those days where you just don't feel like you have it like you did the week before. Yeah, I just shot a 50 on the front, but I, I have it in me to go shoot a 39 or a 40. It's harder to think like this when you're in damage control. I'm not gonna be hunted. I'm gonna hunt. This is so big. Welcome back to the Par Train, a podcast designed to help frustrated golfers enjoy the ride again on and off the course. Because if you can learn to smile through bad golf, you can smile through anything. My name is Brett. I'm the editor of the Par Train podcast each and every week. Gives me the opportunity to take a listen, make sure everything's perfect before it hits the internet for all of you. And if this is your first time joining us for a monthly recap, just to kind of recap how it started, Evan and Matt, they were like, hey, you know, we want to go back and do sort of an in-case-you-missed-it kind of thing. That way people can hear the best parts of the episodes from the month prior. So since I'm as hands-on as I am with these episodes, I know where the best parts are, and I'll lift those out of there and feature them right here during our monthly recaps. Before we get started, I want to mention our sponsor, Roback Activewear. Still plenty of summer left, so go get your polos and your tees and stay cool out there. But don't forget, you know, the chillier stuff is on the way too. So the Q-zips and the hoodies, things for the ladies, they're all at Roback.com. And once you find all the stuff that you like, enter the code TRAIN at checkout and get 15% off your entire order. So let's go back to July 2nd. Why not? Episode 250, the fine line between a good and bad round of golf. Let's dive in and see what Evan and Matt have to say from episode 250. Is this not drama? This is why you <laughs> hop aboard the train. How Are you guys on the edge of your seats right now? How Come good on. is this? Did he hit it in the water again? So I'm walking, going up to this hole. You know, I'm going, Tell I'm me, going talk to me about box. the self-talk going to the second tee. And, Third tee. And uh, yeah, and I get back on the tee box. I get on the tee box. I'm looking at it, thinking, I'm, what am I going to hit here? Driver or three wood? Because the only way to hit a driver and keep it in the fairway is you have to go, you, you have to bite off a ton of the dog leg and, you know, carry it to 260, 265, and then hope it stops. If you hit it too straight to kind of bail out a little bit with a driver, you're into the woods and you're not going to, it's dense woods. You may not find the ball. So I'm saying to myself, okay, you got to make a decision today. You know, you're not feeling it. You've You've already discovered that you're going to have to work really hard to stay in it <laughs> to be a player today. You know, I'm like, what are you going to do? Cause it'd be easy to just sit in the cart and say, yeah, eh, hung over. It's one of those days. See what happens. Right. Or my body's not there. It's going to be a bad day. See what happens. And I was just like, okay. And you know, Evan, I can't draw it with a driver either. So I pull the three wood and I just try to hit something low and straight. And I did it. I ended up bogeying the hole, but second shot was tough. Left it short, didn't get up and down, but that was a big moment right there. And then the next hole I have is a par five straight away. Driver. Got to hit driver. Yeah. And I just snap hooked one. So I pulled the driver out and I ripped it. <laughs> but it was like lots of deep breaths. We need to talk about the driver. <laughs> you know, I love to dig in, sir, but these are the moments that we have yep. to unpack because everyone has experienced this. The hole calls for it. There's no other option, right? And sometimes there's so much embarrassment and sh personal shame and frustration where you're just pissed at yourself that you did something stupid. And now you have to hit that same shot again, potentially in front of the people you don't want to do it again in front of, maybe even yourself. <laughs> you use self-talk. You stepped up to the tee and you had a good one. 
you ripped a good one. So what were your keys? Were you thinking about, I just have to make a big turn? Were you thinking I have to be aggressive? What were you saying to yourself? What'd you focus on? Well, once I got it out of the way of like, I've basically like, what's the word, you know, I've punished myself enough. All right. You stayed out too late. You didn't sleep well. You didn't prepare right. It's over. Okay. It's just, what are you gonna do about it? Yeah. It's like, you're going to make a decision today. You're just gonna have to work a little harder mentally. You're gonna have to do a lot of self-talk and to stay in this today, you know, just work harder. So no, I mean, so that once I did that, I got over, I picked the club. It was either going to be a driver or three wood. I went with the three wood and just got real serious with the line and the shape. And for me, it was a straight shot more down the middle three. I can take that line with a three wood knowing, you know, if I hit the shot, it's not going to go too far. The driver way less room. for. I thought you said you stepped up and you had to do it with the driver. No, I chose the three wood. Oh, interesting. The, the, okay. That, that, that was the next hole, the par five. This is a par, this is a 450 par. Oh yeah. Four? I'm talking about the par five. Oh, okay. Yeah. The club that you hit left, low and left in the water. Yeah. You're now stepping up to a par five. You have to hit the driver again. Right. What were you focused on? I, I was just focused on, I mean, it sounds boring now, but it's just finding that line, cut off the bunker, you know, cut off the bunker. It's a dead straight. It's like a really mm-hmm. annoyingly straight hole. And, but if you spray it either way, you're out, you know, but it's out, not like, you know, like but it's camp yeah, on the ball. You're, yeah. You're going to lose your ball. Oh, but okay. if, 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 if you make that swing, I made on the second hole, you right. know, if you, but make, do you the, see how you didn't give your brain space to focus on the narrowness, you became obsessed again with your line and what you wanted your shot to do. Yeah. And then did you focus on anything in particular in your swing full turn, nothing? No. I mean, you know what I say to, I say to myself, these days is slot it. And that means, you know, my mechanical thought is the right elbow has got to be under the right peck coming down. Yeah. But that means get the club in the slot. That's yeah. what it means. That's my feel. So Evan, some of these pressure, my pressure moments, right? Mm-hmm. I do say slot it. Because mm. that means if I'm being aggressive, right? You're like, you know, I'm yeah. chasing it. But in the past, Ev, on a day like that on Saturday where body feels off i've already made the really bad swing early in the round i just put put you know put the driver away you know yeah and just hit three wood there and still make i could still make a birdie we talk about making birdies but like it's like no this is so great because there's no like i talked about earlier there's nothing in front of me in front of me for that ball to run, run into trouble the trouble yeah it's left and right but the the shot is Right. This is so great because we all make these, we jump to the conclusions that like you made a bad swing. Oh, I got to put it away today. No, yeah, that doesn't mean that you can't hit a driver. That just means that you weren't either clear on what you're doing. You got a little quick or you started off stiff. Like I love how for the listener, Cermak just did textbook what everybody can do. Let's break it down. So you immediately forgot what you did, but not just because it's easy to say have a short memory, but a lot of people are like, Yo, how no, the fuck do I do that? Like it's, know, it's think about killing me, yeah. right? Like it's not saying forget about it. Instead, what you did is you accepted it. You said, okay, I'm going to have to work a little bit harder. I don't have it. I'm feeling, my body's not feeling great. I'm not feeling great. And so I'm just going to accept that I'm going to have to work a little bit harder today. Then what did he do? He shifted into working hard. Your version of working hard in the moment was getting really clear on your plan again. 
So what worked for you on the 69? Becoming obsessed with your target, becoming obsessed with the visualization and becoming obsessed with feeling aggressive and offensive in something. And that is everything that you just did after drop hooking it, your least favorite shot. Right. Right. A few holes before. Right. And this was the day those shots could be coming out. But I'm I'm like, no, this is this is the that's show. one thing, but I can change this actually. This is I the just, show. It, yes, this is it. This is the show. This is r- real time. This is again, people make the assumption that you either have it or you don't. You either have a good mental game or you don't. But this is the mental game. This in a nutshell. This <laughs> is recognizing you reflected without judgment. You could have judged yourself, but you let it go. You accepted it based on whatever happened. You then refocused on things that you know help you. You had positive self-talk. You were aggressive. Remember we talked about earlier, the feeling immediately went aggressive. You had a fight to you. Yeah. Whereas before it might've been a little tentative, unclear. Yeah. Well, right. In the 69, it was like, man, I'm one under. Self-talk to get to three. Right. This is like, uh uh-oh. Terrible shot early on. This is this is not my. This really could not be my day. Work hard to keep it solid to make it your day. It's self talk, Ab, in different you know in different ways. And it's just, but this is what we have to do because every round challenge is, presents some sort of different challenge, whether internally, mentally, physically, the golf course, the conditions. Yeah. And yeah, so I got up and ripped that drive and stayed in it all day. And not that there wasn't some bad shots. There was, you know, but I ended up shooting 73, 37, 36. Lost to Pat by one. He birdies the last hole to shoot 72 on me. Now let's reflect on the 73 <laughs> because guess what? On paper, people might think, oh, you'd be really happy with a 69 in tough conditions, tough course. You'd be really a little let down. 73 is not terrible, right? I mean, I, I think oh, no, it's good. No, everybody I, listening would probably love a 73. Tough course, but, pine, pine meadow, but. Good conditions, but good conditions know, coming off momentum. You know, sounds like it's not as narrow. No, not as narrow. Okay, there's so water then coming off sixty nine on paper. You'd think the sixty nine would have been the second round. It flipped, but I think the key here is based on the way you felt, and if you didn't have the ability to recognize what you did and refocus on what helped you, more productive strategy. What Jared last week called your success strategy. We just identified yeah. it, by the way is that's your success strategy. You could have easily shot a 77. Yes. 76, and 78. Chalk, right, and just chalk it up. Chalk it up. Lost focus. Don't have it. And by the Hot, way, it's not tired. easy to fight. Yeah, no. You're, you're playing hard. around with buddies. Some people don't want to think about this stuff. Yeah. But I think most people that listen to this show want to get better. 100%. And this is what it takes. You hear Torpros at the end of a major talk about how proud they are of themselves how they fought, I bet you seven out of 10 Tiger interviews talking about a win, I bet you he uses the word fight. Yeah. Oh, and talk, he talks oh. about fight all the time with Charlie. You just got to keep fighting. I'm you just keep proud fighting. of, of, of maybe even more of what more proud this of round 73. the previous round. Yeah. It's, it's a funny game, Av. But, but that's what the game is. Like on paper, right. you'd think the scores would have been flipped, but sometimes you got to accept that what you got that day is what you got, but how can you get the most out of what you got that day? Right. Every different shot, every different round is a different story. I'll end but with, I just I'll love this, how you Ev. shifted 
to something offensive, even after your least favorite shot. Yeah. I'll close the loop on this. There was a moment in the round, late in the round, I was trying so hard to find my visualize, you know, see that target off the tee. The ball had fallen off the tee. And I didn't even realize it. And they all start laughing at me. Like, like are you going to do something about this? Like, you know, like, but it, it, did it, anyone it, say that's one? Yeah. Well, that's the old joke, you know, yeah. but, but, um, but it's working hard to get back to what you know best and, and what's my target? Where do I want to go? What should it feel like? Just do it. Yeah. You know, definitely a lot prior to that section of episode 250 recapping Serm's game and you can go back and listen to that anytime you like episode number 250 251 was that LFG episode that we mentioned so we're going to jump up to 252 with our special guest and friend of the podcast Brandon he wanted to get a hold of the boys and let them know that he was done he was sick and tired of it. he wanted to quit golf he had a terrible round with his buddies and his wife and he was ready to just hang the clubs up put them on marketplace and just be done with it and so for this particular episode, which is dubbed the Emergency Mental Game Roundtable, Evan and Matt take Brandon, bring him onto the show, and they listen to all the details of his game where he shot a 101 and was ready to quit. He was ready to be done. But the design of the Part Train podcast hopefully will twist him around into a different way of thinking. So episode number 252 with... Special guest, Brandon. He joins Evan and Matt for a mental game roundtable aboard the PAR train. Everyone that's listening right now, by the way, Brandon, can relate to the feeling you have at the start of this round. You're at a country club. You're playing with a great player with your friend who's a scratch. Did you, you say your other friend is a scratch too? Yeah, they're twin brothers and they're both uh, scratch golfers. Both scratches with your wife. He didn't have a great warm-up. Didn't have a great warm-up. Had didn't had previously good rounds at this place. Yeah. So that so there's naturally discomfort there, and you're trying to navigate. And the ego, man, by the way, this uh-huh. is the ego's worst nightmare, right? Because yep. it's getting it's it's under attack essentially. But you make but, a bogey on the first hole, and but, okay, so you're probably right? feeling a little settled. Okay. After the first, yeah, yeah. right? Not yep. terrible. So, talk to us about where that shifted. It's tough to say exactly where, especially, you know, it's been almost a week now. So I'm, I'm trying to think, I would say probably like the fifth or sixth hole is where the wheel started to come off because whatever the, the first par five was, I had a chance for Eagle. I drove it like, I don't know, 310 maybe. I had, I had like a nice eight iron in and I, I hit a really good shot into the green. I, I think I left myself like 20 feet for Eagle. Missed the putt, but had a very short putt for birdie, made that. And I think I, I threw a double right. on the card at the second or third hole. So I was like, all right, well, now that birdie's kind of negating that that double that I had. So let's just keep that momentum up. And, you know, I got my two buddies and my wife like, you know, oh, great hole, you know, keep, keep that momentum going, you know. But at that point, I was already starting to struggle. And it was like, now the swing thoughts are inundating my my mind. And it's trying to figure that out and then it's just like the screws were coming loose and i'm starting to shut down because nothing's working like absolutely nothing was working like the the par five where i hit the drive i hit a great drive hit a great second shot that was like okay can we build off of that and then i just couldn't like i i don't know what it was but i could not 
replicate that swing or those shots the rest of the day. And everything was not a good golf shot. Were you um, thinking about your swing on the birdie? Probably. If I had to guess, I would say probably on the iron shot into the green. And um, what is your swing thought, by the way? Oh, I, it varies. What's your I mean, key swing thought? Like, yeah, swing the swing right can only have one. That's our than, rule. <laughs> yeah. Right. What's the one that's worked more often than not? I understand you probably have different ones every round. but Yeah, we all deal with the millions. But what's the one that you like to take with you? Swing right. Because I'm such an over the top golfer. Swing right. Um, yeah. Center field, that, out to right, right field. field. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. That'll that'll shallow out my my downswing, and I mean the the lesson that I got recently, you know, he was setting up tees and swing sticks and everything, and it was all just swing right, swing right, because I was so over the top, and even with an over the top swing, if your timing's on, like I could still play with a, a very over the top swing. It was just my sure. misses were dead pulls, so my yeah. my swing thought now is just swing right. But there's multiple other ones that creep into my head too. On top, no, of for, that. Sure. When, for sure. When when I feel like I'm swinging right, but it's okay. You're swinging right, but what else is going on? Right. And so I'm just trying what, to self-diagnose. What sticks out, Brandon, early here is you were hitting fades, up, well, pushes or slices in the around the range, which you don't like. You're not used to, yeah. and then you're out there trying to make sure that doesn't happen. Right. Yeah. You're trying to close the club face, hit that yeah. draw. So you're, you're battling your mechanics and, and for that day. That's what I'm, I'm hearing. Yeah. So there's yeah. some manipulation, compensation happening. There's probably some trying to prove something, impress the scratch players you're playing with, and also impress yourself of trying to beat this goal of breaking 90 at this country club, which you historically haven't played well in. Okay. So it sounds like you make birdie. And the funny thing about that is what I picked out, Serm, is when you made birdie, everybody in your group is kind of contributing to the narrative of, all right, just keep it going. Can you feel the pressure around score in everything that you've said around in this group, even in the group? It's all right. That gets your double back. Now just keep trying to like keep it going, right? There's inherently pressure with that. Is that fair? Yeah, I would say so. Like, I don't think I don't think I necessarily recognize it, but I, I definitely hear what they're saying, and it, it and I'm telling myself like, yeah, let's you know, let's keep that up, let's do that again, you know. It, it and it doesn't necessarily have to be like a birdie; it could just be a really good shot. Like, I hit a crappy drive, and then I hit a really good iron shot, and you know, you got the wife or my buddies going, "That was a great shot," you know. Keep that up, bro. Build on that, and it's I'm telling myself, yeah, absolutely, I want to do that, but then I step up over the ball and I get inundated again with the swing thoughts yeah. and then I hit a crappy mm-hmm. shot and it's like I like I just can't string anything together you know and that's right. that's where I was shutting down like I was I was so in my head of trying to recognize what I was doing wrong and this is my wife's first time playing at the the club that we're at mind you like she's only met met these friends within the last year or so but I've been playing golf with them for probably two or three years now so she was really excited to be out there and to be playing this course. And I feel like I kind of took away from her day by just mm. shutting down, you know, like yeah. I will say years prior, like I was the hothead golfer, like, you know, tossing a club off to the side or like slam the club into the ground. I've definitely worked on that, but unfortunately working on that, I just kind of go silent now, you know, and you can tell that I'm like sure. stewing and just, like in my own head and not having a good time. And then 
you know, like I said in the message, my wife's badgering me about, you know, please have a good time. And I, I really am trying because I don't want to take away. And I, I recognize that. I was like, this is her first time playing this course and she's out here to have a good time. She loves the game. She loves to play. But um, it's hard to hear that. <laughs> it is. Right? It really is. <laughs> and it right? can make things worse yeah, for you. For sure. She means absolutely the world and well and just wants everybody to, but it, that's tough to hear. Do you know Let's why that feels well, so bad? I don't. I wish I did. So Tell the me. reason why that feels so bad is because you're fa- in your mind, you're failing twice. Yeah. Yeah. That and makes one a reason, lot of sense. And one reason you're failing yourself because you're not meeting your expectations of your performance. And this thing you've created around breaking 90 at this course, you're playing with great players. You want to impress them. So like your performance already a failure in your mind as a golfer, as a golfer. Yeah. Two, hundred percent. You're failing yourself because you're not enjoying it. And yeah. anytime, it's one of the hardest things to learn. But anytime that you are not enjoying yourself, and you're telling yourself, "I should be enjoying it," the dissonance, the disconnect there is what makes it feel so bad. But sometimes, if you just accept that this is a bit of an off day, I'm gonna manage what I have, and I'm gonna focus on something else something productive. We'll get to that towards the end. I think it's not as painful because you're not focused on, I should be feeling this, but I'm feeling this, right? Let me ask you this really quick, Brandon, because it's your wife's first round at the club. Is there any sort of pressure you put on yourself to make sure she's comfortable? Cause I know sometimes these country clubs without even realizing it, it can be a very subconscious thing. You're kind of tiptoeing around you might not be your normal personality because you want to. You don't want to make anyone feel uncomfortable or overstep your bounds, especially a newer player like your wife might be uncomfortable at a private club. Was there any pressure you were taking on your shoulders to make sure she was comfortable? I'm gonna I'm gonna say no, just okay. because she it was more so you thought before. you were taking away from her enjoyment by not enjoying yourself. Yeah she's been to the club before she's met a bunch of people at the club through uh, my friends and now her friends too. I don't necessarily think she's like super comfortable there because obviously she hasn't played around, but she knows the people there. So I didn't really ask her, you know, are you feeling any sort of pressure? Is this too much for you? You know, do you feel like you have to be like prim and proper type deal or anything like that? I don't think that bridge was ever crossed, so to speak. Yeah. So I don't think I, I took any of the burden on that, but okay. I definitely think, and, and I, I, I picked up on it, especially when she said it, you know, and I say badgering, she was just, she wanted me to have a good time. You know, she's not like yelling at me or, you know, getting mad at me. She's just yeah. like, come on, babe, you know, have a good time. We're, we're out here with, with our friends. We're playing golf. Let's, you know, life could be worse. You know, right. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And right, you know, right. I'm, I'm absolutely trying to, but then I get up and, hit a shot and it's the same crappy shot that I've hit, yeah. you know, 50 other times on the front nine. Right. And it's like, man, I just can't get out of this funk and I'm trying and I'm trying and I'm trying. It probably doesn't seem like it or look like it, but in my own mind, I'm like, yeah, you know, she's having a good time here. Let's, let's keep this up. Let's, well, you know, and br- I think my friends recognize that too, because they also started gravitating more towards her and like, whenever she hit a really good shot or a good putt or something like they were more celebrating her and just kind of letting me be on my own yeah. in my own misery. Then you which feel is even fine. More like I appreciated that at times. Yeah. Yes. So Brandon, yeah. it sounds like on the front nine, certainly you're really in your head with your swing thoughts, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. Talk about 
how you try to get out of that. I think we saw in your message a little bit around like, well, maybe I got to go to the, I don't care attitude, right? Yep. Which is very common, right? Because often we care, you're caring too much about your score, about your environment, about breaking the, all those things, breaking 90. So talk about maybe, all right, I had a bad front nine, but we can have a good back nine. Yep. We see that a lot. What was your goal? What was your strategy as you're making the turn, for example? So, like I said earlier, I typically shoot better on the back nine. Yeah. Um, and it, like sometimes significantly better. So I always have like a, a more positive outlook going to the back nine of like, all right, here's a reset. You know, here's, totally. we can, we can figure this out. And yeah, I just shot a 50 on the front, but I, I have it in me to go shoot a 39 or a 40, you know, to, to really bring that score back down and just kind of wash out that front nine. Are you but thinking that actually, turn, Brandon, or are you thinking I shot a 50 on the front? I don't need to worry about shooting an 82 anymore because I've kind of ruined it. Oh, yeah. So then you yeah. just kind of play. Correct. Definitely yeah. that day um, after I like I added up the numbers. I'm like, wow, I, I knew it was bad. I didn't know it was that bad. Man, that episode was awesome. That's episode 252 with Brandon, who sent the guys a message online and was just ready to be absolutely done with the game. I think Evan and Matt did a pretty good job of changing his mind a little bit. So get out there, Brandon, do your thing. He actually took time from vacation. He was with his family on vacation, took the time to jump on the podcast with uh, Evan and Matt to discuss that round. And he said at the very end of that episode, he said, you don't have to be competitive to enjoy golf. So take that message and run with it, folks. we got plenty more to get to here, and that'll be episode 254, 255, and 256. But before we do that, I want to tell you about our friends at Oars and Alps. Evan and Matt talk about this one quite a bit on the show. And, you know, when you think about sunscreen, you think about flipping the top on the bottle and squirting a little bit in your hand and rubbing it on your arms and in your face and your neck and things like that. But do you ever really consider what's inside of it? I'm going to do a little field test here. Before we go to oarsandalps.com, we're going to go to bananaboat.com and see if they have something. I'm looking for the word ingredients. And on the homepage... There's nothing. You go to oarsandalps.com. It's the second word on the screen. Click on that word ingredients and you're transported to so many links that talk about skincare and how important it is for you, whether you're on the golf course or out in the water or laying on the beach, however it is. It's not just sunscreen, folks. They have all kinds of stuff. They have deodorant, eye cream, the wake up eye stick, luxury body wash. That way you smell good and you're protected. Face masks, bar soap, cooling spray. All sorts of things at oarsandalps.com that can keep you clean, keep you safe in the sun, and even help you cool down when you head back inside. They even have kits and bundle packages too, so you can get a bunch of different products all in one swoop. You can even get an Oars and Alps football in the merch section to throw in the backyard. Oarsandalps.com, go get the products with ingredients that you will recognize, and when you check out, enter the code SPFTRAIN and you'll get 15% off your order. I was excited to get to this episode. It's episode 254, five keys to shooting a good round. And the reason I was excited for it was because I had five different parts of the episode that I got to pick from. And it was a recent round that I had with two of my buddies and my dad. And I found myself in spots on the course where I didn't know what club to pick because the yardage was so strange. And that's a good part of this episode. It's key number four, by the way, which is what we're going to focus on here in uh, your monthly recap. And you're definitely encouraged to go and check out episode 254 because there's three keys in front of it and an additional key behind it. And it can all help you, you know, make your game the best game of your life. 
So check it out. Let's dive in. Episode 254 from July 16th. The fourth key of five to shooting your best score. Evan's fourth key of the day was if I was in between clubs, I'd hit to the middle of the greens. And <laughs> you made a joke. You can't remember the last time you'd hit this many greens because I think you said you hit 16 greens. Yeah. So Ev, dive into this. Dive in. You're kind of you're already getting into it um, about decision making in between clubs. Yeah. But talk about also the middle of the green. And this is something we've heard the best players in the world talk about all the time. And it's what clicked here because you know even when you know I'd say let's say you weren't in a situation where you're in between clubs, middle of the green is also still really good. I am sure there were. Just a lot of just a lot of that, even when you had the right club. Talk so yeah. talk about this this really freeing mindset that helped you just hit awesome iron shots all day. Yeah. So I thought about this even a little differently than I have in the past. Cause we've all talked about what if I, f- I forget who told us this, but someone said, I think it was Wells Adams actually from The Bachelor, said in high school golf, he and I think he's a two handicap, his coach removed the pins. One day. Yep. And they all shot great scores. Right. And I think we've talked about this. What would happen if I shot to the middle of the green? But an interesting thing happens when you do that. Sometimes it can feel like silly. Sometimes it can feel like, well, I have a great club to the back of the green. I know this yardage isn't going to go long. Why wouldn't I go to the back portion of the green here? Right. And I thought about to that day a little bit differently. Let's say I had a back pin. I'll give you a perfect example, actually. I had a back pin that I think was 165. And that used to be my old eight iron. Okay. So I was like, well, I could hit the seven because I'm a, about a club shorter. But then I was like, but I know the seven, if I really catch it, if the if the seven prior was 180, the good seven might be 170. This flag's 165. Could go 165. I could try and take some off. Yeah. But I caught myself in that moment. And I said, or I could rip my eight iron, which is now probably a 150, 155, 160 club, if I really get it. Let's say one. So it's a 155 shot. That's kind of your, your yeah. Winner. But if I really get it, maybe would go closer to my old yardage, which is 160. The flag's 165. So I'm like, worst case scenario, I don't hit it good. I'm probably on the front middle of the green. Yeah. If I hit it really, really good, I'm going to be pretty close. And I think that's what you're looking for in club selection. Yes. Right? That's not to say you're always going to have that because there are in-betweeners. But I think what I did was I leveraged the scenario and if I didn't have the perfect number where I knew even if I hit it perfect, right. I'm going to go, I'm going to be good. Like the, the, I think the takeaway is the perfect shot should be good. But if yeah. there's any doubt on that, you take one less in this case with it being a back flag. And I aimed more to the middle. And I was on the front part of the green. And the ironic thing is I burned the edge on that 25 footer. Yeah. I almost made it, which is what you hear all the pros say. Sometimes you'll make them. And I had to tap in par. 
Yeah. The two takeaways there for me, I think it's really good. That's a, I think that's a breakthrough, you know, part of the breakthrough series, <laughs> but knowing your game that day. Yeah. Right. Knowing your tendencies, be able to react to them. And then, you know, being under the hole, you know, we've talked about how, <laughs> how yeah. a death spiral of being long, right. Especially oh. hitting solid iron shots when you think they're on it and they go long right? That turns in, that could be a double in an instant. So yeah, that's a level of discipline Ev. And I think that's, that's big for, that's big for our, for our listeners. The center of the green, no matter what is going to be your friend. Now, yeah. Ev, I want to ask you this because I think I want to understand how you picked out your targets for the center of the green, because for me, I don't aim it somewhere on the green, you know, and I aim yeah. for me, I always pick, you know, a tree branch behind the green or a bunker edge. And, you know, play it off that, whether I'm hitting a cut or draw or whatever, but everybody's different, but talk about how you, you worked in zoning on your target for that shot. Let's use that shot. Yeah. Yeah. I, I use the side of a bunker. So there's bunkers on the right of this green, nothing on the left, it's just, you know, rough. And so I was peeling it off the right edges of the bunker with a little draw because my irons are still drawing and I'm embracing that where I'm learning to hit more cuts with my woods, but yeah. And I hit it good. good. And it was in the middle, middle of the green. Yeah. It drew a little bit in the middle of the green. Now what real quick, I remember I used to hear people say, I, I remember I used to get frustrated when people would talk about the game in a way that it was just, you just got to pick better yardages, but I was hitting the ball so poorly that it's like the yardages are the least of my worries right now. Like that's assuming I hit it straight. I was hitting it left, right. So yeah. inconsistent off the club, I'm losing 30 yards. Right. So it's funny how these four things so far are blending, working off of each other. Yes. Right. My riding tempo town, my having a sensory feel was allowing me to hit the ball more solid, which is giving me more consistent distance control. Yet I was still picking good targets to have good results. You see how they all have to work together. Right. And I, you know, and I just look, this is the strategy that good, really good players use for their iron play, because it's like, where do I need to be? I need to be under the hole somewhere. Right. Right. And if I hit the, you know, if I make the great swing, I'm 10 feet, I make the okay swing. I'm 25 feet. You made the right. And that's playing golf. And like, we know that 25 feet all day is pretty good. <laughs> and right. then you're going to get those shots when you're in that rhythm and you're really focusing on yardage and playing the game, you're going to hit those shots to 10 and eight and six feet too. And so also I this will is huge say, for you Ev, because being in Arizona, you're not thinking like this. No, you know, so this is like a, a shift in mindset and routine. And I think that's, that's great. Well, it's funny how it's harder to think like this when you're in damage control, everything yeah. goes faster. Yep. You're trying, it's so easy to get in your swing. Or as you said, sometimes you, you hit a good drive and you're so excited to hit an iron Yes, shot and then you get, you don't yes. even think. That's a yeah. great point. The excitement after hitting a good one is almost just as bad as the damage control and fixing a bad one because you're so wrapped up in what just happened. You're like, oh man, I want to just hit this and try to make birdie. And then, wait a minute. I didn't even realize what's actually in yeah. front of me, you know? Yeah. So like, and this so, is a totally different, this is a totally different Evan. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I think I'll say this too, for people that are like, yeah, yeah, whatever. Like I'm not going to, how boring is that? I'm just going to aim in the middle of the green. 
Every, uh, let me tell you what's not boring. Most people don't want to get better. So. Let me tell you what's not boring, sir. And because of the first time I've experienced it in a very long time, what's not boring is when everyone else is kind of working to get on the green, you pull the card up and you take your putter out and you wait for people. If you, if you would have had a caddy that day, you'd be walking with the putter a lot. <laughs> I'd be walking with the putter all day. Do you know how fun it was? To just how and and by the way, how easy it was to get into a rhythm when you're just hitting greens. Right. Now it's, again, not the hardest the course best. in the world, but still gotta do it. Doesn't matter. Still gotta hit a green. <laughs> still gotta hit a green. I'm sure they weren't the biggest greens in the world being a executive course. Yeah, so they're right. smaller, you know, like you you still gotta go hit solid golf shots, you know. Yeah, it was yeah. It and so I will say that for anyone feeling that way, I would challenge you to try it out. Because it is, see if, wouldn't that be a fun goal to say, I'm going to try and hit 10 greens today, or I'm going to try and hit 12 greens. How would you change your approach? Yeah. Right. All the good players say work backwards. I'm not there yet of thinking about pin placements and how that dictates my strategy for the, the whole, that still kind of blows my mind, but working backwards in a way of trying to do everything in the game to hit more greens. Yeah. We all know that is the one key to lower scores is more greens. Yeah. You know, it's funny. We always talk about the old quote here. The trees are full of heroes. That's what yeah. they are. The tr- but the fairways can be full of heroes too, because that minute you're in position a, the feeling of wanting to press, wanting to go with the pin. Right. And it's not the answer. The other <laughs> it's just, thing, it's just not the answer. It's just not how the best players play. Yeah. Quick tangent too is oh the quick tangent quick tangent i didn't have to do this in this round but the round before i played a few days before that i did and i made a big mistake just a quick reminder when you do hit it in the trees it's fun to be the hero but trying to play bogey out of the trees totally changed my mindset because i used to get excited about getting in the trees to combat the negativity and the the judgment self-judgment I had for always being in the trees. So I would be like, oh, I'm good out of the trees because right. I was and I am. But I'd try to like roll one up on the green and trying to play bogey, you'll still probably have a look at par. Right. But it's, it's but you're, it, it enables you're, you to be smart. Mindset. A whole mindset shifts to say, what shot should I play here to give myself a good shot at bogey? And then I, I, I wouldn't secu- punch a four iron bogey. too far. Which, by the way, I punched a four iron too far behind another tree, had to lay up over that tree, and I made oh, triple. Yeah, there you go. But you got gr- too greedy to begin. I with. got greedy because I wanted to be a hero. So that's a good tangent for people. If you inject these five things in your game, we'll get to the fifth in a second, and you manage expectations mid-shot. I talked to one of my players about this today before his member guest. Make bogey. Never gonna Bogey's never going to hurt you. I thought I shot way higher because of, but I made a ton of bogeys and we texted in the round before this good one. I said, I only had one double when historically all year I would have two to three, if not four doubles, right? Having a ton of bogeys. I didn't play well. I still shot an 82. Yeah. But you managed your game. Yeah. Managed the damage. Yeah. Amazing. (laughs) Yeah. There you go, guys. It's up to you. You know, you got to take that risk and figure out which club's best. 
give it a shot and see what happens. We can live with bogeys, right, here on the par train. Just get out there and swing it true. You know, it's hard to believe that we're through major season, and episode 255 was the recap of the Open Championship, Royal Liverpool Golf Course, and topping the leaderboard was Brian Harmon. He shot 13 under throughout the four days. And with Brian Harmon, you know, his story is, you know, a very emotional story. And the boys touch on that in episode 255. It came out on July 23rd. And the name of the episode is Play Golf Like a Hunter. Matt Cermak made a pretty good reference to that title in the episode itself. So we're going to dive into that section. Plenty of takeaways from episode 255 that you can take advantage of. So let's jump into this one and learn how to play golf like a hunter. Describing some of this, Ev, I think is going to tie into some of the things he talked about. One quote he mentioned after the round, he said, I'm good friends with Kirby Smith. You know, he's a Georgia guy, Georgia head football coach. He goes, and Kirby's always said, I'm not going to be hunted. I'm going to hunt. Mm. Right. And I think, you know, it's easy. It was probably easy for him to think like, this this is maybe not my time. Why am I supposed to win this? I've never been in this position. He's had some major, good major performances. He had a second place in 2017. He's kind of creeped around leaderboards. He's kind of always that guy to pick in your six-person master's pool is like number four or five. But I love this. I'm not going to be hunted. I'm going to hunt, right? I'm This course is fitting my eye. <laughs> I'm hitting it well. I figured out a secret of my putting that we could talk about in a little bit. So I'm going to go dominate, you know, I'm yeah. going <laughs> to, so I think for him, like him, that really resonated with him because, you know, he's not, he knows he's not tiger you know, he's not Rory, but I've already proved in two, two rounds in the biggest golf tournament in the world that I'm going to be better than everybody this week. Right. When you get that. So that's probably when you get that five shot lead, the hardest thing to do is to keep the gas, your foot on the gas. Right. You know, especially with, and he did it as good as anyone conditions. When you look at 17 and 18, the trickiest hole on the course, all of the talk about it, it could be a birdie hole or it could be a triple. Right. And then let's say you bring in a triple or a double, and then you're facing that tee shot on 18. I mean, that's not an easy finish. No, I actually think this is like, it's one of the harder finishes we've seen. We see in major golf. Yeah. In terms of what could go wrong. Right. Right. And it's raining. It's pouring yeah. rain. That's the other. I mean, it, it, if you don't dry your grips right, you know, that glove's not fitting right. You're, Do you see you're, how many gloves he had in his umbrella? That's how it's done. You're changing every shot, right? Yeah. If your layering just gets a little off and you get a little quick and you're plugged in a pot bunker on 17, right? You yeah. Know? So, you know, and the thing is to have like, he played borderline flawless golf. I mean, he hit it into two bunkers all week. And one was on the last hole of the tournament when he was just trying to get it up there. Which remember in 2006, Tiger missed every 112 out of 112 bunkers he avoided. Yeah. So clearly that's a great formula. Yeah. And so I think the the quote also ties in before you jump in here, like he got off to bad starts on Saturday and Sunday. Mm -hmm. And um, that's kind of really, that really tests your nerves. But I think, you know, what he talked about, like any, good healthy mind talks about is it's a major championship. It's bad conditions. I'm going to have maybe a couple bad holes. Bad swings are going to happen. It's just how we manage those bad swings. And what did he do? You know, he makes a couple bogeys bogeys early in both rounds. He shoots under par. So, because I'm not going to let this course or this moment defeat me because I make a couple bogeys. Yeah. I'm going to hunt. Right. More holes left. 
I'm going to hunt those holes because I know I want everybody listening so to think about to how they feel when they hear Serm say that, because that's actually a really valuable tool, right? And that's what all the best players do where yeah. you're bound to make a mistake. You're going to feel uncomfortable. You're going to be behind a shot that doesn't fit your eye and you've you're got to lose use, focus. Yeah. You're going to lose focus. Someone else is going to make a, a great shot, you know, in front of you. Doubts are going to come in. So you've got to have self-talk to get you back on track. And I think the go hunt instead of the be hunted is such an amazing, I might even name the episode that because it's such an amazing, aggressive, offensive mentality, right? In the biggest of moments, what do Kepka and Jack Nicholas say? They love the majors because people should take themselves out of it because of the pressure, right? right? And that essentially pressure leads to getting defensive and focusing on the results leads to getting defensive. So finding yeah. a way to go hunt and he's a hunter, right? So another great learning of that is to find a, a message that's really like strikes you. Well, it's about you. true to him and about like you. He's, he's, yeah. he's a dedicated, great bow hunter, you know, right. like- so that's a great point. I have like, make it about you. It's you out there. Right. You know, because yeah. <laughs> yeah, like I've literally been talking to your experiences, you know, yeah. and I've been talking to a couple guys I'm coaching right now. And we've been going through that same exercise <clears throat> of trying to find them their statements. And it's amazing when you can find your statement, you know, that you want to repeat to yourself to keep you kind of offensive. It's big. And yeah. so what a great nugget to throw into your guys' back pocket, who, whoever's listening. I remember at one of the member guests a few years ago, I, instead of uh, enjoy the ride, my motto was enjoy the hunt. You know, And that didn't mean being aggressive, but I was hunting my spot, right? Right. Like, look, right. At the end of the day, anytime we do something well, especially a sport and especially golf for that matter, it's you got to be a killer. <laughs> you, gotta, yeah. you just do. You make become afraid in between shots or when you see a shot, but you take it and you accept it. And no, you, you know, like I got you, you, you turn it around. And I think that's what we all have to remember. You've got to be a killer. That's and, a good that, point too. Cause I think we all celebrate killers like a Kobe Bryant, a Michael Jordan, a tiger woods. Um, but none, none of us believe that we're like them, which is true to a certain extent. I mean, they're, you know, I'm not a different right. I'm breed. Not saying you guys but, gotta go have a bad family life, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I'm saying, like, I think a lot of us can be more of a killer on the course. On the course, right? You know, and we like idolize that, but we don't play like that, right? You know, we think it's unattainable. We think they're a special breed, which they are, but more of us can be closer to a killer over the ball because you right. can't be a killer and also be a victim at the same moment. Right. Exactly. Right. The mind can't do right. Right. So, but yeah, I mean, Ev, I mean, he's got these great quotes we've heard this afternoon that are all very similar to this. And I think the one I liked, he talked about, this is less of a quote that you would see if you Google the quote, but it's just, he said, I'm historically not a good rain player. Mm -hmm. It bothers me. And it bothered him all week. He said this was consuming my mind what the weather was going to be. But right, so he knows that. He accepts that. He's not going to be like, oh, I'm some great great player in the, you know, <laughs> bad, I'm right. some great bad weather player. But when he says, I'm going to hunt, this is not going to stop me from hunting. So like, 
see there, right? Like, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, because Ricky Fowler talked about how he loves bad weather. It's like, oh, come to me, right? Yeah. And Harmon's like, shit, I actually got to work harder. I got to work harder to figure this out. And he did. Yeah, that's such a good point because so many people similar to the the like killer mentality, I think people think that they either got it or they don't. But it's such a great reminder that Brian Harmon acknowledged that I haven't had great success with this in the past. So I'm going to have to work a little bit harder. Yeah. Versus I'm not good at this. Right. And I'm not, I have no chance because it's in the rain. I mean, the British open is such a, it's so difficult for anybody. And then these guys, there's been guys over the years that don't even go to this tournament because they, they know they're not going to play well in it. Like Woody Austin, Scott Hogue, these guys who made millions and millions of dollars over the years on tour, they wouldn't go. They're not going because they can't get themselves in the right frame of mind to play well. Hmm. So (laughs) these are the greatest, some of the greatest ball strikers, you know, of the eighties and nineties. So Harmon, the guy who isn't, you know, not as he just doesn't like it. I mean, what's to like about it, but he really doesn't like it. He knows that he doesn't play well and he struggled mentally with it, but he overcame all that. I think that is so cool. Yeah, that is, that's a great reminder for everybody. And, you know, I think it's also a great reminder that when things don't go perfectly, it's okay, right? We've all played in tough conditions. You might go on a bucket list trip, you know, let's say to Bandon. Yeah. And you're worried about the conditions. Like, I've heard of people having the greatest round of their life in 35 mile power winds and downpour rain because they said to themselves, this is part of the experience. I'm just going to, just going to go have fun. And whatever. And when happens, else are they going to play golf in that? Whatever right? happens, happens. Right. So you just kind of have to embrace it. He told Mike Tirico, no umbrella in his post post win <laughs> presser. You know, he goes, I love this now. You know, <laughs> yeah. so right. I think I think the cool takeaway for me there, Serm, is I don't see it as much as just being blindly positive. We've talked about this before. I actually yeah, think it's about that's not it. Yeah, yeah, it's about reframing in a way that you can believe and reframing in a way that puts you in a better position. You know, like it's very rare for someone to perform what you can you can hit good shots with bad thoughts. But it's very rare for someone to win if you're being negative overall, right? You can be pissed after a bad shot, but you got to reset pretty quick and refocus on what you're trying to do. And, you know, that probably eliminated a lot of people this week. I love that these guys are able to watch a major tournament like that. And don't get me wrong, they do their research and get their stuff prepped up for these episodes. But they're able to look at these golfers and know what they're thinking. And it's so cool to be able to hear that translated back onto this podcast. When I was first brought on, that initial phone call that Evan and I had before they brought me on to edit, my assumptions were so wrong about this podcast. And as Evan was really explaining it to me, I was about the mental game and, you know, get back on track, all all this stuff. I realized quick, it was like, you know, this is not about the PGA. This is about your game and how you can make a few tweaks in your brain to help you out on the course and in life. So one more to go here from July 30th, final podcast of July 256, special guest Ward Jarvis, and they're talking about fixing your big miss. You have to figure out what your big miss is first and then work to correct it. So we'll get in and wrap this thing up. Episode 256 from July 30th, fix your big miss with Ward Jarvis. 
this is so big. I, w- I really want to hammer this home it's for our tough. listeners because when you say the thing that's eluding us, if you keep clinging on to the thing that you can't get, it's creating a negative spiral. It's creating a stress response. So it's it's actually working with what you got there with that yeah. example of saying, okay, well, I can't really, I keep trying to cling on to a target. Well, I don't have much belief that I can hit that target. When I look at the target, I see where I don't want to go because of all my bad memories and I haven't processed those memories. So I'm up there, my heart's beating out of my chest. Maybe I need to focus on, have a new experience to your earlier point. And maybe that means focusing on staying in my posture with really great rhythm or holding my finish, like Rick Sessinghouse has told us, which is really helpful thought on the first tee, because it's a sensory feel-driven swing thought that you focus on that, you're taking yeah, the target, I, which is taking you away from it potentially. Yeah, but this is what I would say. Just, like you, the, I think the target's got to be first, and then you can have that thought. Like, Oh, well, yeah, you got to know where you want to like, go. I, like, we're like, I don't think we can, if it's elusive, that doesn't mean we can forget about it. It's like, all right, you know, cut off the left bunker lip. Okay, got it. Then I'm getting yeah, walking. I'm, I'm talking more like like yeah. what's going through our minds like while we're swinging and initiating. Yeah. Or I'm not talking about like walking into the ball or 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 work but behind the ball. I'm just talking yeah. about I call it a swing focus. What what do you want going through your mind while you're making the motion? While you're oh, making that's fascinating, right? Think about this. I'm like, I don't think anything's going through my mind when I'm making the motion. Like. Is well, there a test I, I on think, that? Ideally, yeah, I mean, ideally. ideally, nothing would be going through your mind, but but but, 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 but if there's stuff going through my mind as I'm walking, you know, up to the ball before I hit it. But when I hit it, I don't know. It's I think. But see, I've this is why thoughts. it's so great that we have both of us, it's right? Bad. Because bad thoughts walking in, it's gonna he, he doesn't struggle off the tee, does he? Yeah. Oh, so this guy for a while. But yeah, no, here's what I would, here's what I would say. You had to work yourself out of that, and then yeah. then once things get easier, it does become naturally more quiet. If I yeah. You think, yeah, this is the difference I think maybe between I because I have struggled off the tee in college. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, if I don't have if I don't feel good walking into the ball, I got no chance. Like you know what I mean? I don't think I can save myself. I really have to like get to that place, and if I do, isn't that isn't that the beautiful yeah. thing about golf though? It's time related <laughs> pressure at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, what what do you do if you're not comfortable? I mean, do you just just not hit the shot or pull up a lazy boy and just chill out for a bit. <laughs> you can't do that in competitive golf. Yeah. It's like Sergio used to get, you know, he couldn't pull the trigger when he first started. I mean, right. stuff, gets, stuff doesn't get weird until it gets weird. Right. Right. And then when it gets weird, everyone knows. And so, so it's, it's, it's not, it's kind of like me as a person who stutters, you know, if I have a block, well, it's not weird. The first two seconds, no sounds coming out, but then mm-hmm. maybe that third, fourth, fifth, it's all our, experience of time because if i can't see the target i'm in trouble if i can't see the shape in the target on the hole yeah i'm in trouble but that's all happening back here so yeah, that's yeah. but isn't it funny <laughs> well it, it, it's definitely whatever builds comfort for you i'm all, yeah. i'm all for it but you know that right so that's that shows you've done a lot of work to understand right after a bad moment to ward's quote never waste a bad moment i love that i tell the guys i coach like Get excited about that because then use me as your feedback loop. Let's go back and let's unpack what happened, right? But, Serm, what you just described, it's so interesting. Like for me, for someone that 
has been invited, and I've used this example before in other episodes, I'll say it again, but I bet more people can relate to my experience where I go to Terraiti, I fly across the world, I'm playing with the guy who built the course, and I top three of my first three drives, top, Yeah, you better believe you're starting to go through every emergency fix, swing thought, and by the way, I'm on camera, Ward, and I'm being hosted, and everybody knows I'm there to shoot this video. You better believe your brain goes in a problem-solving and emergency mode of thinking about everything, and then you're over that ball, and it's impossible to not think, just get it in the air. Yeah, but what I would say, Ev, true right? about you, but it's true about me too. I'm getting invited to play in a tournament tomorrow. I'm the scratch. I'm playing with an eight, an eight, and a 12. Yeah. And they're bringing me in to a private club to be the guy. And, if and it's the expectations holes, we put on I, ourselves, right? Two of them have never seen me play. And if I make a couple bogeys right, right out of the gates. Right. But isn't it on, funny, Ward, on, Mac, like how the worst <laughs> case scenarios are on very different scales, right? Yeah. Where the scratch is worried about maybe hooking yeah. one a little bit or making a bogey, where it's like an eight handicap or a seven like me is worried about being able to hit the ball. But what's right. The theme, and that worst case scenario. What's the theme word? We both would be pressing in our own yeah. right. We both start pressing and then we, and then things can spiral. But here's, I want to take this to the next level, Warren. This is really good because everyone that just listened to that is like, yes, we've, we've experienced one of those two scenarios. But the problem is, is they go into swing fixes and they have no idea how to fix it. Now you've created trauma. The next round or the next time you go to the range, you're working on your driver, you're hitting it good. And you put all this expectation that you fixed it. Then the next time you go to the T, you have more pressure to see and wonder if you fixed it. So let's talk about Brendan for a second. Brendan comes to you. He's hitting it. Keep me honest, 40 yards, maybe more right off the tee on tour for his livelihood. A lot, misses a, lot 30, a lot more than 40. Missed 37 to 40 cuts in a few years. So clearly that's trauma because this is his livelihood. He's thinking about giving up the game, largely probably because of the driver. Where did you guys start? What was the process to start to have a new experience with this club? Well, Bradley Hughes and I, we, we more or less started about the same week. We're ironically we're working with Brendan at the same time. I think Brad talked with him a week before. I That's a swing him. coach for everybody who doesn't know. Yeah, and, uh, you know, awesome. Brad Brad does a lot of emphasis on the feet and, you know, uh, how pressures in the feet are working during the swing. And Brendan really took to that. And, uh, you know, we had been talking about, you know, figuring out ways to think about the swing, think about the automatic aspects. And so – Instead of like really thinking in positional terms for Brennan, it became about, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to create certain feels while I'm swinging. And so our emphasis on, on, okay, let's think of those as, those are automatics. Those are the pressures um, that, that we're creating in our golf swing. It's like, it's, it's something that we, we're actively doing during every golf swing. So it's not just, we're not just trying to hit these perfect positions and, and get, get, get these perfect results, but our focus points are literally on, on creating these fields automatically. And then, 
you know, I think the biggest thing for Brendan and I was, you know, we we worked on his performance identity, as we talked about. And we really worked on what I call kind of the pre-shot feedback moment. And I basically, I just say that's just thoughts and feelings we have about potential outcomes versus, you know, a post-shot would be actual outcomes. And believe it or not, it's a really different experience for the brain to, to process something that's actually happened versus something that could potentially happen. The brain is a lot more comfortable processing the actual than the potential. And uh, that has a lot of golf implications, right, too, because we want to rush to the certainty. And we, we, um, we, you know, it takes what it takes to get to the finish line. You know, if we get there too soon, problems. If we get there too late, problems. And so a lot of what, you know, I like to say is that we defi- redefined or went to work on Brendan's relationship with, with pre-shot feedback, meaning redefining his relationship. Like at the end of the day, these are just thoughts and feelings about potential outcomes and n- nothing more nothing less that's you know from a performance angle that's what we got to see yeah you know, i came up with a phrase i had him repeat all the time it's just reminding yourself feedback is just feedback meaning thoughts and feelings about outcomes are just thoughts and feelings about outcomes you know um and and you know we we can't really prevent that from happening that shouldn't be the purpose of dealing with it but we can strategize around it. We can, um, you know, get, get, it's kind of like a monster is behind the door that's ultimately stronger than us. We can't, we don't need to put the effort in blocking the door. We need to let the monster come through and be be ready to get the first punch in. The, those were kind of where our strategies were at. And then, then from a performance identity, you know, I basically just said, look, you know, you still have elite reference points. You know, you don't just lose those. What happens is you get up and upside down for one reason or another in in your processes of connecting with those, or you rely too much on what you've done in the past to connect with those. And you you try to go back to past versions of yourself rather than, okay, what's my best version here in 2023 with everything I've got going on in my life and what's happening now? Ward Jarvis there joining the boys for another ride aboard the PAR train. We want to thank you all for stopping by today for another monthly recap. If you missed any of those episodes or want to take another listen, they are all linked in the description below. Also, guys, take a few minutes and give us a review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. We appreciate that very much. Special shout once again to our friends at Roback Active Wear. If you go over to Roback.com, you're able to see all sorts of products that they have available for you. And when you check out, be sure to enter the code TRAIN for 15% off. The month of August is already shaping up great. We've already featured Lou Stagner, episode 257. Go back and check that out. And if you're looking to fall in love with golf again, check out LFG number 7. It dropped back on August 6th. It's labeled episode number 258. It's a fantastic episode to get you prepped up for your round. And, of course, to fall in love with golf. And to all you listeners out there, the PAR train can be found in many different areas. Give us a follow on Instagram and TikTok. Like and subscribe on YouTube. That way you can stay up to date with the PAR train that way as well. I'm Brett, the editor. I appreciate you guys stopping in. I'll see you mid-September or so to recap August. Until then, enjoy it.